Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Psalm chapter 119, if you want to stand as we read the entire chapter. (laughs) 172 verses in the Hebrew tongue, and then we'll be dismissed next week. Psalm 119, I want to draw our attention to one very familiar passage in verse 105. The only chapter you have to turn a couple pages to get to the next verse. Psalm 119, verse 105, very familiar. No doubt you've probably memorized it if you've been in church any amount of time. If not, it can be new to all of us. The psalmist says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. If we're honest, it may be the one thing in our Christian life that we overlook and take for granted too often. But we're grateful for your word that helps lead us and guide us. in the difficult roads of our life and the paths that don't seem logical sometimes. We thank you for your word that provides clarity and light to the roads ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Simple title for this passage is the light of God's Word. While I was preparing for this this week, I probably did a lot of overstudying and things that never come into existence in a sermon. And I found this illustration of darkness that you may appreciate before we get serious, that there was a thief who went into a house. Not my house, they go into my yard and steal. Some of you are here Wednesdays, you heard about the litany of things that have been stolen from the redneck Rocco crowd in Landis in my house, but this is not my house, this is someone else's house. The thief goes in and it's pitch dark, and he is just grabbing stuff, and um, he hears this voice, Jesus is watching you. He stops for a second, like, am I hearing things? Is, Is this a ring or... Simply safe home security system. Doesn't hear anything else, and he continues on, and he goes into the room, bedroom, and he starts loading stuff in his little, I guess, thief sack. And he hears again, Jesus is watching you. It's like, man, where is this coming from? He gets upstairs, and he's going through a bedroom, and there's a parrot in a cage in the corner of the room. He walks up to the parrot, and he's like, are you the one saying Jesus is watching you? The parrot says, yes, I've been saying that. And he says to the parrot, now he's delusional, 
Is your name Jesus? Like, no, my name's Ishmael. And the man tells the parrot, asks the parrot, what kind of idiot would name a parrot Ishmael? And the parrot says, the same idiot that would name a Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the sermon other than darkness was involved there. Last week, we were in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where Solomon tells us that we're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not into our own understanding, acknowledge our ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct our path. That word path in Proverbs is a trodden road. It's a road that we're all on. We all have a path. We all have a road. We're all on a road. We have different roads, but we are all on a road. We're on a path. And the wisest man in the world tells us that we're to trust in God with everything we are. Because as we have found even since last Sunday and probably by next Sunday that the road we're on is not always exactly how we think it's going to be. Sometimes it's straighter than we thought it was going to be. Sometimes it's easier than we thought it was going to be. But many times it's a lot more difficult than we expected. We learned that the right decision and directions is, can only be made when we apply God's wisdom. Wisdom that Proverbs is all about. Wisdom is biblical knowledge spiritually appropriated to promote righteous living. And as I, quite honestly, I benefited from last week. I trust that someone else did too. I believe God kind of naturally, organically, if you will, led me to kind of part two of that in this familiar passage, Psalm 119, 105. As we talk about the light of God's Word that helps us on the path, on the road that we're on. Before we really dig in, there's two foundational biblical truths that I think we have to understand as believers and quite honestly, if the world would understand this and believe this, it might change some things and change some thinking. One biblical foundational truth is that we live in a dark world. You don't have to be very tuned in to the news. You don't have to be a subscriber to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. You don't have to be on social media, but because everybody seemingly is, it doesn't take very long to realize we live in a dark world. That's not just something, can somebody check that and make sure it's not important? Um, it's not just something we say in church, it's something that's a reality. Outside of this church, in your life, in my life, in our family's life, in your children's life, we live in a dark world. We live in a sin-cursed, wicked, perverted world. When Paul, when Jesus refers to the world and in an antithesis of where we live and where we should live, he's talking about the antichrist system of the world. This is a, a very simple, very foundational principle that really unlocks seemingly mysteries to a lot of 
the New Testament and a lot of our Christian living, is to understand there, there is darkness and there is light. I believe God, I believe Jesus, I believe Paul, the writers of the New Testament specifically were very clear of a very elementary principle of twos. There's a narrow path, there's a wide path. There's a path that leads to destruction, there's a path that leads to everlasting life. You're lost or you're saved. You're in darkness, you're in light. Jesus said no man can serve two masters. You love one, you'll hate the other. Let your yeas be yeas, your nays be nays. You see this common theme? There's not a lot of middle ground. Matter of fact, if we're honest, there's no middle ground. You're for me or you're against me. Why do you say you love me, but don't do the things I ask? Why do you call me Lord, but act like the devil? And as soon as we realize and build our life on those principles, the easier this Christian life is, at least to understand. We live in a dark world. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, this world became dark and sin-cursed and perverted. That's why Paul is able to teach us and we are to teach others and teach the world that you are born into sin. You are born separated from God. You are born in darkness. You are born with a proclivity to darkness, to sin, to self. We are not born looking for God, searching for God, born loving God, born wanting to be saved. We are born wicked, hopeless, helpless, surrounded, immersed by sin in a dark world. It's a foundational truth of all of Scripture and really of all of life. It's not the most encouraging thing you've probably heard today. But the second principle that's a biblical foundational truth is that Jesus is the light of the world. I want you to listen to a few verses. I don't do this often, but these are, John really highlights Jesus as the light of the world, by the way. And you, you can't appreciate Jesus as the light of the world until you understand the darkness of the world. Listen to what John says in a few verses here in John 1. In him was life, Jesus, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. I want you to pause there for a second. John 3, 19 sounds like it's really close to a very familiar passage that we quote all the time. John 3, 16, where we know that God loved the world so much that he sent his son. To, we know that. But right in John chapter 3 is is John highlighting Jesus as the Savior of the world because the world is condemned already in darkness. That's why John 3, 16 is such a great verse. Because in the midst of darkness, we have this light who has come to separate those who are condemned into those who are no longer condemned, no more condemnation, those who trust in Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. The indication is that if you're not following him, you are in darkness. No middle ground. If you're following him, you're in light. If you're not, you're in darkness because we're born into darkness. 
but shall have light of life. John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. The indication is until you're abiding in Christ, you are abiding in darkness. Paul later in Colossians chapter one says that Jesus, he who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Church, whether you're a believer or not, when I say church, I'm talking about those of you sitting in this building today, you're either walking in darkness or you're walking in light. You're not somewhere in between. You're darkness or you're light. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, my Sunday school teacher used this this morning out of context. No, he didn't. Where we know it about we're a chosen generation, we're called out, we're a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, we're to be different, we're to be sanctified, we're to be separated from this world, from this darkness, we're to be different. That's a different message. You say amen, we don't have to preach there long. When we walk into a dark room, it ought to light up. Let your light so shine before men. Why did Jesus say, let your light shine before men? Because you live in a dark world. If you walk into a dark room and it gets darker, or they can't see you. Remember last week, we invite Jesus into every decision we make, into every situation we make. Hey, when you and Jesus walk into a room, it brightens up real quick. But I'm going to tell you this, this is just extra, this is free. When you walk into a dark room and you light it up and expose the darkness, the darkness may leave. People might not like you in that room because they might start to see what they couldn't see in darkness. I'm getting ahead of myself but it's all right. But when you and Jesus and this book walk into a room, it gets super bright. And things change. The atmosphere of the room changes. It should change because we live in a dark world. Royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen to that. We are bringing forth, showing praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. The reality is, two realities, is that we live in a dark world and that Jesus is the light of the world. In this passage, verse 105, I want us to notice two characteristics. I want us to notice characteristics of light and the consequences of this light. Understanding that the light is the word of God, the light of God's word. There are characteristics and there are consequences of this light. The psalmist here, which there's no proof as to who it is, it has some Davidic tendencies, if you will. But the psalmist here says, thy word is a lamp and thy word is a light. And this is really simple, easy preaching here from my point of view, but it's really difficult to grasp and it's difficult for the world to appreciate. 
thy word is light. Now, I'm going to talk about what light does in a second. But here's something we're missing. Unfortunately, many times in churches, but what really we're missing in the world when we associate with the world is that the light is the word of God. This, this is Baptist church, I'm a Baptist preacher, there ought to be some, nobody really mad and leaving over this, but this is the final authority. And the psalmist makes it very clear from the beginning, by the way, there's 172 verses in Psalm 119 that are all affirming and praising the Word of God. That's the extra, that's the long message. I'm giving you cliff notes, get out early today message. <laughs> now I have everyone's attention. And, and I'm going to let Tim know this, and you can leave it that way, but the clock up there is non-existent. It says Eastern Standard. So all I know is that we're on this side of the country. <laughs> Unless I look down and this battery's been dead for two years, so whatever. It's not, I'm too OCD for that. So it's up and running. And I didn't notice there's one on my, anyway. The psalmist makes it very clear that the word of God is the authority, is the light. You and I are immersed not only in a dark world, but we're immersed in a civilization that likes to impose or replace whose word matters. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we can all close our eyes so we don't look at each other's faces. If we're honest, many of us have certain people, certain groups, certain preachers. My Sunday school teacher, he used a preacher today. That guy's not a preacher, but he used a book today, and I'll talk to him about it later. Um, and if I called his name out, I'll probably offend some people, so I won't. But, but um, I, I think he ought to get a job for Hallmark, writing Hallmark cards. <laughs> and I thought I liked him at one time, but then he got really soft, and uh, he's backtracked on some LGBTQ stuff, and we need to talk about that later. But... Um, it's real easy for us to like certain personalities and replace what God's Word says with what this personality says. So are itching to know who I'm talking about. His first name rhymes with Acts. You put an M in front of it and you got him. Okay, there you go. Um, his last name rhymes with Bucato. I didn't tell you the name, don't be offended. And don't Google right now, but he's gotten soft on what the Bible is very clear on. But he could get a job for Hallmark, no question. The psalmist was clear, and we should be clear that the Word of God is the light. The Word of God is the authority. Not my favorite blogger, not my favorite preacher for the love of everything holy, not Oprah, not, a, not an organized religion. By the way, that's Oprah. 
She's an organized religion. Not, not a denomination. Not if the de- denomination is flawed and don't use the word of God as its authority. We, we live in a messed up, dark world where people don't want many times to hear the truth. There's, a, there's an old proverb that's not in the Proverbs, I believe it is not, that says the truth hurts. But the Bible does say the truth will make you free. You see the difference in the world's philosophy of the truth hurts and God's philosophy of it'll set you free. I'm, I'm, I'm really being careful. What, I'm trying to be careful. But it's to be, I want to be beneficial and I want to help and I want to encourage us. Because we've got we've to wake up to the reality that our families are dying and going to hell. That, that, that sounds old-fashioned. I probably shouldn't say it that way. But our family members are dying and going to hell. If they don't trust in this book and the God of this book and the Christ of this book for their salvation, they will die. It is appointed to man once to die and after this the judgment. They will die and they will meet God unprepared. And you can say hell, you can say fire, you can say brimstone. They will spend an eternity separated from God forever. And what this book says is eternal damnation, punishment in a torturous, fiery hell. That's what the book says. It's not what a book said about this book. It's what it says. So I already knew that. I'm I'm trying to stay away from something I even saw this week, but I know it's applicable to many of our families. My wife knows what I'm talking about. Some friends know what I'm talking about because people put stuff on social media. And and here, I'm going to speak in generalities. It's not anybody in this church. I mean, you probably put something on social media this week. And let me remind you, everybody can see it. But this is not anybody in here. I'm not picking on this person. I know this person. Not well, but I know this person. And I was having a conversation with my wife about it. I was like, people don't want to believe the reality. I I feel like I need to say this because it will help people in this church because if we're honest, we have family members, close and maybe distant, who struggle with specific sins, specific lifestyles. And we gotta be really careful, and I'm, I'm being, I'm, we gotta be really careful that we're not coming across as hateful and bigoted and mean and doing God's justice for him. He is God, he will judge, he'll take care of that. That's not my job. Now part of my job and your job is to preach and teach and live the truth. And if we fudge on the truth and we allow someone to think that they can be what this book says you must be and must do, but live a completely opposite lifestyle to what this book insists, we are, once again, trying to be right, we are assisting them in a path to hell. I don't want to be guilty of that. Have we got some work to do in the church? You bet we do. 
If we got some individual personal work to do, you bet. Because guess what? I still got flesh. You got flesh. You're tempted with the flesh, just like I'm tempted with the flesh. And we're really quick sometimes, too many times, to jump on something very quickly and say the wrong thing and say it aggressively and say it not in love the way Jesus would do it and then throw his name at the end of it. And I don't think there's anything that makes him more upset than when we act like the devil and then sign his name to it. But I'm not going to be responsible for coercing someone or creating a path for them to think that they can avoid the reality of this word and still make it to heaven. And we've got to be careful with that. No, I don't want to think that my this or my that or my friend or my family is going to hell. Nobody in their right mind would want that on a person, wish that on a person. But at the same time, they can't not know the truth when I have it. And for the love of everything, may there not be a church that claims to be a Bible-believing church that skirts the truth of the Word of God. All of it. Not just the parts we like and memorize, but all of it. The reality is, this is the light, this is the authority, and the New Testament believers understood that. In their letter to the Thessalonian church, Paul says in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 13, for this cause I thank God without ceasing for you when you received the word of God which you heard from us. By the way, they didn't walk in with a King James or ESV or even KG. They said, this is the word of God. And Paul said, I thank God for you because you believed it, you received it, not as man's words, but as God's words. Not as the word of men, but as the truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The light is the word of God. Verse 5 in Psalm, I said earlier, uh, I, I might have misstated, it's 176 verses all about the word of God. You can, you can pretty much just spin through and put your finger down and find a verse in Psalm 119 that is magnifying or exalting the word of God. Verse 5, oh, that my eyes were directed to keep thy statutes. What a prayer. You want to write something down to pray this week? Uh, that it might be convicting. It'll probably be helpful. Verse 5 of Psalm 119, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes, your word, your precepts. Verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will meditate, verse 15 and 16, on your word, thy precepts. I have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 50, you may like this verse. You might want to write this verse down if you're struggling. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word has quickened me. This is my comfort in my down and out days. Your word has made me alive. Man, that's a, that's a different Christian than, oh, i got to study God's Word today. Nobody's like that in here, I know. We're still fresh in the new year, and you're just digging in it. But isn't that a different response than, 
Oh, me. Oh, that hurts. Oh, it will. Other than, how about, oh, I'm going through, I'm in the mully grubs. Life is bad. I've had a rough week. I open God's word and it makes me alive. Probably wouldn't recommend turning to Leviticus for that, but something a little more encouraging. How about verse 54 of Psalm 119? Thy statutes have been songs in my house of my pilgrimage. That's a good verse. I found that this week. That hasn't been in there forever. I just found it. No, it's been in there forever. You hear that? I didn't give them this because I didn't want to spend a lot of time here and obviously it didn't work. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. We're on a pilgrimage, church. We're just passing through. And the psalmist says, your word, your precepts, your statutes have been a song on my journey. Do you ever find yourself just singing a song on this journey? Not a journey song on this journey. (laughs) Journey. Was that who was at the New Year's thing? Is that not the oddest thing ever for you old folks, for me and younger, I mean older? Y'all know who Journey is? It's all right. We're in church. So they're at the New Year's thing, and, and they're like, this is Journey. And I see this Chinese kid. I'm like, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, who is that? Now, I wouldn't have known the real Journey guy if I would have seen him. I, I knew the keyboardist because we met him. That's, um, that's Justin Stever's friend, Paula. Paula White. You know Paula White? Her husband is the keyboardist for Journey. There we go. Right. That's a whole different ball game right there. But journey's on, and I re- I, I'm hearing this devilish song in the back. No, no, I know this song. I know this song. And I see this Chinese kid singing it. Like, nobody appreciates that, but it was just a little bit. It wasn't the guy that I thought should be singing it, but it sounded a lot like him. It's called inclusion. It's not. I think he, I don't even know why he's there. Don't really care but it was fun to talk about. But as a Christian, do we not, should we not, don't we have songs that we sing on this difficult pilgrimage? And the psalmist says, hey, your statutes, these are the verses I quote when I'm in a difficult time. I might not put them to music, but you're my deliverer. You're my defender. I can call on you and you'll answer. You'll hear me. You'll show me great and mighty things that I don't know about. Maybe you sing the song that I sing. It's got 12 verses and 14 courses, and they're all the same. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Maybe that's the song you sing on this pilgrimage. Two characteristics of this light. Three, sorry. It's longer. Number one, this is true. It's true. Jesus said in John 17, 17, in his high priestly prayer, as he's calling out to his father before he's crucified, and he says, sanctify them, separate them by thy word. Thy word is truth. There is, there is no church, there is no religion, there is no preacher that will separate you the way the word of God does. I know some good preachers. I know some not so good preachers. I know some Max Licatos, and I know some Joel Osteens, and I know some hellfire and brimstones. And the best and the worst can't separate you like the Word of God can. That's 
I ain't found one yet that knows it all and knows how to apply it all and teach it all, including myself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What's that mean? This is God. This is his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. The word is God. The word is Jesus. It is true because he is true. It's also relevant. If there's anything we need to grasp and hold on to and practice today in 2022 without space cars, surely we thought we would have been the Jetsons by now. But if there's anything we should grasp as a believer today is that this is relevant for today. It's not some historical fiction. It's not something that was good for grandpa. Well, it was good enough for grandpa. Yeah, it was, but it's still good enough for me because it's relevant. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that it's alive, it's powerful, it's active, it's breathing. If you're breathing, everybody breathing can say amen to this. If you're breathing, you're relevant. Well, I don't feel important. Well, you're relevant, even if we got to get rid of you. That's how the government, that's the government slogan. Just, I read it somewhere recently. If they're breathing, we got to do something with them. In my 47 years of living, and some of you have had a lot more years of that, I shouldn't say this. I'm not going to. It's relevant. The Bible is sharp, it's quick, it's alive, it's a discerner of the thoughts. This whole passage, this whole verse is a present continuation. There's a good Greek word for that, but you don't care about that anyway. But it means it is and it will continue to be. It is. Hey, this is the book of all books that one day we will all stand before God and be judged from. Won't be a new one, won't be a revised version. It's just the book that's the truth, that's relevant. And that just leads us to the third characteristic, it endures forever. The same Psalm, chapter 119, verses 89 through 91, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The Mormons never figured that out. That's kind of funny, but it's kind of not, because there's millions on the wrong path because they weren't satisfied with it being settled and they had to let some teenager who had an epiphany out in the woods write the rest of it. Forever your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness is into all generations. You've established, thou has established the earth and it abides, the word abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances for all your servants. Jesus said in Matthew 24, heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away. They'll remain forever. Peter said, the grass and flowers wither and falls away, but the word of God endures forever. I, I don't know this. Maybe it's preachy. Maybe just a few of us appreciate it. But I'm just old school enough to think it matters to have a copy of this. I'm old school enough, and I did this as a youth pastor, as a cool youth pastor guy, which never happened. I thought it was appropriate, and I like to see kids hold a Bible in their hands. Don't I, kids? Yeah. Oh, well, what if, what if I, well, we've got it on our phones. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not being mean and old. 
But there's something special about having a copy of God's Word. I, I, think, I think, and this is no verse for this, I think it really looks good for people to walk into God's house with a Bible. Didn't mean you're not going, I'm not being, you know, everybody with me? Everybody good? I'm not upset if you didn't bring one today. Look, I don't own one. I've got some. You can have one. We will do it. But what it does to me is it reminds me of the importance of this light, that it is true, that it is relevant for today, and that it endures forever, and we have a copy of it in a language we can read, and we ought to thank God for that. Because there are still... Hard to believe. In 2022, there are still people groups that don't have this in a language they can read. Now, I'm going to get, I'm going to say, I didn't, God wants me to say, I don't know if he does. It's be amen or oh me's. You don't have to say anything and make me happy. We argue over some of the most silly things related to this word when there are people that don't even have a copy to read it. We have divisions within Baptist. I'm going to say that word. But we have divisions within Baptist about the second coming and the rapture and all this kind of stuff. We have divisions and arguments about the second coming when there are people on this planet who have never heard of the first coming. That ought to put some things in perspective. How dare we argue about some frivolous, silly things concerning the Word of God when there are people that don't have a copy to read themselves. The last we see, and this is the shortest, and everybody says amen, is the consequences. Not only do we see the characteristics of this light, the Word of God, we see some consequences, and that's really the crux of the matter here. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Two things, two consequences this is not from a scientific point of view of light, although I did do a little useless research about that and couldn't make it work. Light exposes and it enlightens. I know we've all heard the, you know, the, the youth, the Sunday school sermons on light and it's super dark. I thought about turning all the lights off in here and scaring everybody. That'd be fine. Hey, look at the flashlight. Everybody turn your light on and you're... We'll leave that to Justin. He does that. He doesn't. Maybe. I don't know. But it exposes. This light is a lamp unto my feet. We have to understand what this lamp looked like. Those of us who've been to the Holy Land, we've seen it. You can buy these. You can buy the real ones or you can buy the not real ones. And if you find a box full in a, in a store that they're $3 a piece, they're not real. I think Tim has a picture of one similar. These are clay lamps. Um, so if you go to the Holy Land and you see this um, terrorist on the side with a Rubbermaid container with a hundred of these, they're not real. This one's real and, um, or similar to a real one. This is what they're, this is the lamp. This is not something, this is not a mag light. It's a lamp unto what? My feet. It exposes, I want you to hear this because this is the best thing I've got out of this week in preparation. It exposes where we're standing it exposes where we're at. It's not telling us where we're going. It tells us where we're at. Not enough light in that to tell us where we're at. By the way, there's an application of walking by faith in here because I can only see my footsteps. I can't see 10 footsteps ahead. I can only see one, maybe two steps ahead. We walk by faith 
and not by sight. But God did give us a little bit of light to see where we stand. And if you don't appreciate anything about this, this will expose where we stand. A wise man once said, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. I'm not sure if Aaron Tippett was the first one to say that or not, but he put it to song. I thought about this, and I would, I would, my desire would be if people know where I stand, that I know where I stand, and I know why I stand where I stand. Because I'm, I'm the worst, and I'm the first to probably say, well, they know where I stand on this. Anybody else said that? That's not always great. I mean, you might be standing in the wrong place. We might be standing on the wrong side of history. That's a different No, but if I'm standing and I can see where I'm standing based on the light of this word, I know I'm standing in the right place. Regardless of what the world may say. Y'all with me on this? Let's make some application to our current civilization. It's a lot of people that are supposedly on the wrong side of this and the wrong side of that, or you're not standing where you ought to stand. Uh, This is going to sound kind of harsh, but I don't really care where they think I'm standing, if I'm standing in the light of this word. Because I'm not going to answer to their light. I'm going to answer to this light. This will let us know where we stand. It exposes. But not only does it expose, it enlightens. This lamp was a lamp into my feet, and it's a light into my path. It's... it's um, in first century, it would have been like having a torch-lit pathway. It's, um, the Old Testament example is the children of Israel were led by a cloud by day and fire by night. It's a picture of leadership. It enlightens my path. It's a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. I don't know where I'm going. I know where I am. But if I look for his light, if I look for the light that he has established for my path, you, know, you still see this picture? I, I can't see my footsteps 20 yards down, but I can see the path. So I'm headed in the light of his path, but I'm only walking step by step. Oh, that just smacks me in the face because I want to know next week, next year, 10 years from now, in details with bullet points. And he says, no, you walk by faith and not by sight. And he also said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because if he told me 20 steps ahead, I might stop. But if I just walk step by step, knowing that the light is directing me, I walk by faith and not by sight. If you need some application, I thought that was pretty good, but I don't know if you still listen to the flight attendants on the planes or not. Eric, no offense to to you guys, but I don't think they take it serious anymore. I mean, they used to really get into it. I mean, they were snapping belts and blowing stuff up, and now it's just like, hey, look over there, look over there. But the part that I always gets my attention, and I kind of look for, is I want to know if the lights go out. And they always say, if the lights go out, what's going to happen? We're going to have a pathway lit to how to get out of this thing. Anybody ever heard that? 
Anybody ever been on the plane? Everybody alive, relevant for today? <laughs> now, I don't know that I'm going to need a, a lit path, but, um, and I've always wondered just how hard is it to break one of those windows out? Because if you broke one out, then it's like, I'm not fitting in that window. How is, <laughs> it's that lit path that when it gets dark, because remember our foundational truth, we live in a dark world. Listen, the light's been turned out on this thing a long, long time. And there's only a select few of us. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. I don't know if you figured out. There's a lot of people still walking in darkness that say they're walking in light. There's only a few of us walking around with our lamps. There's a whole other message in how to keep our lamps going with the Spirit of God and all that stuff. But there's only a few of us in this crowd walking around seeing where we're going. There's only a few of us walking around in this dark world looking for the path ahead. Thy word is a light. It tells me where I'm standing, and it tells me where I'm going. I'm going to conclude with this. If you're here, if you're watching, or if you talk to somebody next week or next year, and they don't have a relationship with this word, here's the reality. Here's the reality for the world. They don't know where they're standing, and they don't know where they're going. Not because you go to church and somebody told you. No, this word tells me where I stand. And if I've never been saved, if I'm not born again, if I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I am standing under and in condemnation. I am standing separated from God forever. I am standing dead in my sins and my trespasses. Why? Because the Word of God says it. If if we hide this light, I can't know that. Church, if we hide this light under a bushel, see how that ties in together? The world can't know that. We're going out, we're really good at pointing out sins, but maybe we're not good about lighting someone's pathway or exposing where they're at. It's one thing to expose a sin. It's another thing to expose a sinful state. This exposes where I stand, exposes where I'm going, enlightens where I'm going. A lost person needs the Word of God to know where they stand and, unfortunately, to know where they're going. But if a person doesn't know where they're standing and where they're going, they have no, dis- no desire to make a decision to change that. Amen. We don't do it with the creed. We don't do it with the church constitution. We do it with the Word of God, the light of God's Word. If you're a believer, this is the good news. If you're a believer, you know where you stand. I also knew where I was standing. But I know now I'm standing in his righteousness. Not mine, but his. And because I know where I'm standing, I know where I'm going. Did y'all like that? Not the 20 yards, but the millions of feet. I know where I'm standing because I know where I stand. I know where I'm going. And and here's, I'm going to tie this up. Because I know where I'm standing and I know where I'm eventually going, it makes it a little more bearable to walk by faith He's made preparations for the last. He's made preparations for the next steps. I don't have any of that understanding 
Y'all, this is it, and I'm going to shut up. I have none of that understanding without this. Without this. Would you stand with me? Father, thank you for your word. Help me to not ever say that lightly. Because, because it's your word and your word alone that lets me know where I'm at, where I'm standing and where I'm going. God, my desire right now in this time of invitation is that every believer is absolutely certain that they know where they're standing and they know where they're going. Not because of how they feel, not because of what they think, not because of what they've read in any other book than the light of your word. For those of us who are here living, walking in your light, God, as you expose sins and improper conduct, God, may we not look at that as something necessarily negative, but a convicting, something in a convicting nature that would draw us to you and ask forgiveness and repentance. But God, certainly as important, if there's a lost person here today, someone who's certain they're not saved, they've never made a decision to make you Lord of their life, they're lost, may they maybe see possibly for the first time, maybe the light of your word has exposed where they stand before you and they see themselves as lost, they see themselves separated from you, living in condemnation and see themselves headed for an eternity separated from you. And in seeing that, may your Holy Spirit convict their hearts to turn to you, call on you to save them from their sins, accept Jesus as the payment for their sin, the price for their sins and his death on the cross and confess you as Lord. God, I have no question that the light of your word has exposed some things today in our lives. God, I pray for Christians that we would trust in your word step by step, that we would look for the light of your word for our direction and the paths ahead. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.